You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Media guerrilla blogger Mike Manuel of Voce Communications goes on the record online at the PRSA International Conference in Detroit. 2008. The one thing I worry about is that there's this kind of do-it-yourself culture that exists within PR departments sometimes, and that can that can that can come back to bite you in the butt. Um, because I do think people's expectations for these experiences are increasing. When you've got your blogger account for your CEO, you know, trying to connect with the same reader who's going to all these other websites, that, the media sites that have been created on you know more robust platforms, it looks like amateur hours. And thank you for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Media Guerrilla blogger Mike Manuel of Voce Communications, recorded at the PRSA International Conference in Detroit, 2008. Uh, it's one of the best conventions uh, that there are for the uh, industry of public relations and corporate communications. I would highly recommend uh, checking out the PRSA International uh, Conference next year if you didn't make it this year. Um, today we have a one-on-one with uh, uh, Mike Manuel. He has a blog called Media Gorilla. Uh, I've known Mike for probably about four or five years now. I think I met him first at the Syndicate Conference, uh, which is uh, now defunct, uh, but I think we met at New York. I was presenting a session on podcasting. Um, And uh, he has a number of uh, very high-profile clients. Um, The one we're going to talk about here in this uh, podcast is Sony Computer Entertainment. And as you can remember, they had... uh, They had a couple of communications crises, but the one we're going to talk about is uh, All I Want for Christmas is my PSP. And um, that said, uh, they're doing some really interesting stuff now that seems to be quite effective in the area of social media. And we had a chance to talk about what they're doing right as well. Uh, So I am going to play for you this interview uh, with Mike Manuel. It It lasts about 29 minutes. And we are going to play it for you in its entirety after this. Hi, this is Chris Bechtel. I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom, and I'm here as part of the new segment we're testing called What You Can Do with iPressroom. This week, we're talking about podcasting. iPressroom's media platform allows non-technical communications pros to easily upload, manage, measure, and distribute their podcast content in a full-featured branded podcast portal. See the LA Opera's podcast portal at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com for an example, or as part of a company press room, search for the California Endowment and go to their newsroom at calendow.org. You can produce your own podcasts and simply upload them yourself, or you can engage us to record, edit, and post your podcast for you. You can utilize audio or video, and in addition, if you don't need a full-featured portal, We can host your podcasts and give you embed codes to embed the RSS feed and Flash Player right onto your site. If you'd like to see this in action, have questions, feel free to send us an email to info at ipressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com slash demo. Mike Manuel, Media Gorilla. How are you? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you? I'm great. 
I'm great. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Sure. So now you're here at the PRSA International Conference in Detroit, mm -hmm. and you're doing a case study on this now fabled fiasco uh, that was surrounding Sony Computer Entertainment when they um, did that All I Want for Christmas is my PSP sort of vlog astroturfing yeah. site. Yep. What happened? So, you know, you, you, you replay in your own mind what must have happened where, where someone actually made the decision to, hey, let's, let's launch this fake site and, and we'll, we'll make it seem as though it's, it's organic and we'll use urban language. And, and then, of course, you know, people sort of smelled, smelled a, a, uh, that it was, in fact, not genuine yep. and, uh, and they got a black eye. Uh, you're here to talk about that, right? Well, it's, you know, we're here to, we're being, you know, I'm here to talk with the guys from PlayStation, um, Patrick Siebold, who's in charge of communications, but also social media, and then uh, Jeff Rubenstein, who runs the social media program. Um, we're here to talk about not only what happened with, with uh, the All They Want, you know, quote-unquote fiasco, but to talk about what's happened since with the company and some things that they've done to counter the issues and the headaches they faced with, with that whole thing. Um, my intent isn't so much to focus on all the stuff that went wrong. I think what went wrong was, has become kind of a, a poster child case example for what you don't do. Um, I think a lot of us well, have let me ask you, that. Did any heads roll? Did heads roll on that? Any heads at all? Well, honestly, I don't know if heads rolled. I mean, Patrick would, would be able to speak to it more than me, but I do know, you know, obviously there was a relationship with a, a marketing firm or branding firm that is probably not, not in existence anymore, uh, Zipitoni. Zipitoni's out of business now? No, 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 no. I just think that whatever ties they had is a relationship from So they lost the account, but they're still out there, you know, I, showing I for other folks, I think so. I, I won't guess. say for certain, but um, I think they learned some hard lessons with this. Okay. Um, so yeah, my, my intent wasn't so much to focus on that, but to talk about it, because um, I think a lot of companies, as they kind of dip their toes online, are, are worried about, okay, we can't do that. How do you avoid doing that? And God, worst case scenario, you need to do something terrible like that, or something happens that uh, otherwise sends you in a direction you never really intended. You know, what can you do to correct it? So, so was, were you on the account when this thing happened? No, no. We, we started working with the PlayStation guys in uh, January of 07. So did they come to you because they figure, you know, you guys are up on stuff and you're going to help them figure this out? Or how did, how did that did yeah, they well, seek you out, out of the carnage? <clears throat> a little bit. Yeah, we had done a project with them uh, that year prior, the year, same year that this had happened on, on one of their game titles, SOCOM. And uh, it just so happened at the time. And... Without going into all the details, Patrick, uh, the director of comms for PlayStation, um, he had no idea that he had no idea that this this blog, All I Want for Christmas, was was being developed. It was run purely out of the branding team. Uh, I think he was as surprised, unfortunately, as pretty much the rest of the company that this existed. And then, honestly, was put in a position where, you know, whether he wanted to be responsible for it or not, he had to. So there was, you know, apologies that were issued. There was all sorts of discussions that we're going to share about what went on behind the scenes when that was happening, and obviously then what, what he did since. Tell us about that. Well, so which part? The, what, what, behind the scenes? Yeah, behind what? the scenes. What, what went down? Well, I think, I think the short of it was, you know, this is fall of 2006. Um, the branding firms, the branding teams at, at PlayStation and Zipatoni had come up with this great idea to create this fake blog. Um, with no understanding and no, I think, real respect for kind of the way that, that, that their fans were, were consuming information online. So long story short, they developed this project in November. I think it got discovered in early December that it was fake. Um, I think there was a, there's a great forum called um, somethingawful.com. If you're ever looking for just kind of insights, that's the community that typically tends to discover stuff pretty quickly. Uh, it was then kind of blown up with uh, sites like The Consumerist. Certainly the game community just jumped all over this. 
Um, and then really quickly, you know, what was a, a branding initiative became a much, much bigger marketing problem for the PlayStation guys. And that included, obviously, the communications team, which, you know, again, had no idea that this was being developed, but all of a sudden inherited this headache of how to deal with it. So this thing hits them like a ton of bricks. What do they do? Well, it's funny. One of the, some of the discussions that, that Patrick and I had um, was, okay, you know, do you take the site down? Do you issue an apology? Do you try to take that blog and create it into something that should be what it was supposed to be, which was, you know, a little bit more genuine and authentic? There's all sorts of discussions that, that I had with Patrick, and Patrick had it with his team about what to do um, to counter, you know, what was happening. And ultimately, what was decided was an issue would be uh, released, or I'm sorry, a, or apology would be would be released on the site. Um, and then very quickly thereafter, they took the site down. I mean, it was a no-win situation for them. They, but the site, the site's cached. It's been repurposed. The site's been everywhere. cached. Uh, there's been, uh, you know, there's been different people have taken it and repurposed it for for their own. It's, right. You know, it, it is. It has become, unfortunately, one of those kind of just case examples of what not to do online. Okay, so you're on the account now. You have some inside access to the people that are mm -hmm. making the decisions. Looking back on it now. If you were the guy that was in the hot seat and you got the call about this thing and you were finding out about it at the last minute, how would you respond? How does, how does an organization respond to a crisis like this? Well, I actually think the response they took was the right response. Take it down. Apologize. Do all that you can to help folks understand that this is... walk us through the specifics of how that apology is issued. Is it a press release to you? Oh, okay. What do you do? Well, no. I mean, in this case... In, in this case, I suppose an press release could have could have been effective, but their community, you know, be it their media or be it their, just their fans, aren't reading press releases. It's just not where they get their information. So, you know, I think first and foremost, you had to apologize on the site. That's where all the eyeballs and attention was going. So, I think by by doing that, you lended some some credibility to uh, the fact that this this was a problem. This was a mistake. And then I think separate from that, you, you had to talk with the media, which they did, um, and explain themselves to the extent that they could, you know, based on what they knew. Um, I think Zipatoni probably had to fall on its own sword to some extent for, for making the recommendation. And um, I'm sure branding teams internally, and I can't talk to it, but I know Patrick could, would, would, would speak to some of the problems that, 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 that shook out of having made that decision to do that project. So, you know, I, I do this uh, course called the New Media PR Bootcamp that I do several times a month for different organizations. And I show a bunch of case studies. And one of the things I always show is, obviously, you know, all I want yeah. as, as sort of an uh, example of what not to do. And then usually I put it out to discussion to the people that are attending, what would you do if you were in this situation? And the, the best uh, suggestion I ever got was one guy said, what I would have done is I would have gotten a camera crew and then I would have ambushed the person inside Sony who made, who gave this project the green light, fired them on camera, and then told them if they wanted their um, severance, they were going to have to sign a release that would give me, give them the right to release the video on YouTube. <laughs> wow. What do you think of that idea? I think that's sinister. Um, it's creative, but I, you know, unrealistic. I. I think you know how you know inside companies. There's all sorts of people that are involved in decisions. It's never ultimately you know just one person. So. You know, whatever witch hunt they did internally, I'm not exactly certain what that looked like, but I do know that obviously people were accountable, action was taken, um, and, and truthfully, it doesn't matter. I mean, a bad decision was made, corrections were, were made. I think, you know, we can talk about that being a real bad example of a real bad decision and judgment. Um, I want to get past that. That was two years ago. But you ago. don't think transparency into accountability is something that supports brand integrity? 
No, it absolutely does, which is why, you know, you've got to talk about the problem, in this case with PlayStation, what they did and where they fell down to help appreciate where they are now. Sure. Um, what and done. they're doing some great stuff now. I was checking out the blog. There's a lot of activity on it. They've got a Facebook page. And it seems like they're really doing a great job. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of comments. People are engaged. They're interested in what they have to say. You see this guy, Jeff uh, Rubenstein, who runs it in there, in the comment section, oh, yeah. encouraging the discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I did search just to see if I could find it, I searched uh, as a keyword sucks in the blog, and the only thing I found was the use of sucks out, sucks the life out of. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, somewhere out there, there has to be somebody who doesn't like, I mean, obviously everyone has different opinions, there's gotta be someone out there who doesn't like PlayStation, oh, and yeah. posted some bad things. Do those comments live, or do they get removed? Well, they absolutely live. Um, maybe you're using the wrong, the, the wrong keyword in the search, but um, I think you know if you look at, at that blog and the volume of comments and the, the, the level of activity that, that that they're generating, there's all sorts of discourse happening, and and by far not all not all of it is by far positive. Um, there's a lot of discussion that's happening, be it for good or bad, and I think it's it's been healthy for the company. It's not like these people weren't sharing those opinions anyway. Right. They're just sharing them in a place now where it's right under their nose, and they're almost obligated to, to at least acknowledge it. One of the challenges you see when organizations get into blogging is they sort of look at it as a dissemination channel mm -hmm. rather than a research opportunity. Yeah. And you know what you're, what you're suggesting here is that a lot of valuable research comes out of the blog. How does an organization identify uh, some sort of protocol to absorb that into how it improves the way it operates moving forward? How, how does that work? Yeah, well, it, there's all sorts of triage, I call it, that we do on the backside, which is, okay, if there's great feedback coming in, again, be it good or bad, you know, to what extent can we take that um, circulated across the company to the people who can actually value, you know, can get the most benefit from that, that feedback? So sometimes it's product marketing, sometimes it's HR, sometimes it's uh, sales. It, it, there's all arms of the organization that are looking at the blog as a means for kind of early warning, uh, really good insights that we're then taking and, and feeding back. And then to the extent that they can, putting the onus on them to reply and to, to engage where they can, be it in the comments or offline on email, or I'm sorry, offline, um, you know, in person sometimes on email. There's all sorts of ways that we're trying to close the feedback loop. And it's not always publicly in the comments thread, but we're trying to, to obviously focus on it there. But inside an organization, PR is not typically seen as a research discipline. It's seen as a conversation discipline. So what, what do you do? Do you, do you aggregate that research, pass it off to somebody? If so, who? How does that work? Well, it's not just research, though. It's, it's facilitation to an extent. It's, it's just being really smart eyes and ears online. Um, and you know, to the extent, again, that you can help connect both the, the people within the organization and in this case, you know, their fans, that's the role to an extent that Jeff and Patrick and others on our team are playing on the blog. Um, it, it really is a, a, a source of connection. Tell us about the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, I know there's a fan page. You decided to do a fan page, not a group. Yeah. Not, you know, so t talk, t walk us through the strategy behind uh, the Facebook page, the type of content that's on there, how you keep it lively. Yeah, so uh, the content on the Facebook page truthfully, it just mirrors most of the content that you'll find on the blog. The big exception, the difference was, the strategy for the Facebook page was to um, try to begin to bridge um, the online relationships we were building and the fan base that, that existed with offline events. So we have a promotions team, or PlayStation has a promotions team, that does all sorts of events across the country pretty much every week. The purpose of it was, okay, let's start collecting the fans in dif different geographies on Facebook so that we can be smarter about um, helping them understand where different events are happening that they might find interesting. And Jeff um, 
has his own kind of promotional work that he does with uh, meetups. He does fan meetups. So, so Jeff's on the road all the time doing that. Yeah, every you know every couple every couple weeks he'll do a meetup. We just did one in Orlando. He did another one in um, in uh, gosh L.A. a couple weeks ago. Where there's opportunity to do them, he'll what arrange them. What kind of turnout you get for those? I mean, I, I saw if if the Facebook page is any indication, I saw not a lot of confirmations. Like single digit in terms of the number of people who had confirmed. A lot of maybes, you know. Oh really? Uh, but maybe they, maybe you know, you never know. They <laughs> might get a, a arms load of people to turn out. Yeah, it's the, the meetups in particular have had a great turnout. You know, you would think they would. Over hundreds of people coming. It's it's been really great, and we do tournaments and, and there's, there's such there's a giveaways. vibrant community. Yeah, that's the one thing I'll say. Maybe working in, in PlayStation's favor compared to maybe some other companies is the vibrancy and the vitality of, of that online community. The gamer community is just insane. Diehard. It is very diehard. I, I've never seen so much, you know, passion and zeal. Right. Again, be it for better or worse, you know, within a community than I have with, with the gaming community. Yeah, I mean, my nephew is a nut, he's a nutcase for any information he can get about developments in the gaming world. Mm -hmm. Well, that point too, I mean, where they get information, it's strictly online. Okay, hypothetical. You're engaged by a healthcare company. They've seen what you've done with the media gorilla. They know that you're a guru when it comes to corporate blogs. And they say, Mike, help us. We've launched this little blog. You look at the blog, there's no engagement, no links, no comments, nothing going on. Yeah. What's sort of uh, the first thing you would do in evaluating uh, a corporate blog program that exists? And, 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 and what, what are you looking for to see whether or not uh, it, it has what it takes to be effective as an engagement channel? Um. I, I think in that case, the quality of the content. I mean, not to oversimplify it, but um, what are they sharing? You know, what, what, are they articulating a point of view? And if that point of view is, is kind of unique and, and interesting, then you know, it may just be a matter of, of helping them figure out ways to either socialize their content, you know, farther than they've been able to reach it just by having the blog by itself. Or in some cases, it's the hard lesson, which is maybe the blog isn't the right tool for them. Um, but it comes down to you know, what's the story that they want to tell, and is the blog really the best platform for doing it? Um, in some cases, I, I don't know. I don't work with any healthcare companies, so I, I can't say you know hi hypothetically. But um, in most cases, I'm finding that the clients who we work with, that a blog is is a very practical tool um, for for that purpose, for kind of telling the company. Is story. blogging a full time job, or is it something you can just do on the side? Uh, it's increasingly a full time job. I think it depends on the, the success and how serious you are about using it as a as a as a medium, but. I know in case with the PlayStation guys, it's definitely a full-time job. It's multiple people's full-time jobs. Um, I think most of the clients I work with, they have full-time people dedicated to it. I think part-timing, it's possible. I just don't think you'll be as successful at it. So if you were advising a corporation uh, that was looking to get involved in social media, they didn't have much going on now. Maybe some people in PR marketing were sort of dabbling. And they came to you and they said, hey, uh, we need to identify how to staff. Yeah. Uh, a social media component. Where should it come out of? Should it come out of marketing? Should it come out of PR? And how many people do we need? Walk us through, you know, what goes on in your head when you're asked a question like that. Um, so, I mean, we, we, I've, I've gone through that. I think, um, I think it, part of it's, it's, it's a challenge right now for, from staffing purposes because it is a different skill set. Um, I do think most of the hiring I'm seeing and most of the, the folks I know who do this full time are coming out of Corpcoms. Um, I think most of them do have a, either a traditional journalism or a traditional public relations communications background. Um, but I don't think that necessarily those skills are, you know, have to have. I think that there's plenty of folks in, you know, with branding backgrounds, web service backgrounds, um, 
who can kind of lend those skills to to these jobs as well. I, you know, I call it the messy middle. It's just this this kind of weird little place where all these different um, disciplines are kind of coming together, and we're calling that social media, um, or at least social media marketing. And a lot of companies, I think, are trying to figure out, you know, what can they do, you know, with with with, with what the programs they've built, and also with the staff they have. Sometimes it's taking folks and just basically reapplying them to this different discipline where there's that interest and passion. Other times it's just going outside and finding them. Uh, Mike, you, you live inside the bubble we call Silicon Valley. So, well, I mean, where you're from, uh, you know, people are, are, are uh, adept in uh, technology and there's, there's not a real disconnect between PR and IT. Uh, but uh, as someone who you know does a show for people all over the country, all over the world, really, mm-hmm. um, do you have any sort of general uh, comments you'd be willing to make about just how ready uh, PR is as an industry to sort of step up to the plate from an IT standpoint? <laughs> um, well, it's, it's a good question. I, I think all of us are. I mean, where my head's at right now is. The barrier to entry for for what we're calling kind of participation on the web it seems to be lowering every day. Um, I just don't think that the you know you have to necessarily go through IT. You have to go through you know complicated web development you know processes to get some really cool tools developed that help for communication purposes. Um, you know we talked about blogs. I think blogs have kind of just been an easy thing to point at as, okay, there's a great new online tool that uh, can be really helpful, can be really advantageous to communications, and it's not really complicated to get going. Um, there's certainly other things. I mean, we've talked about social networking. We've talked about, you know, we, we haven't talked about it, but, you know, microblogging. There's all sorts of great web tools that are coming to the fray. Some of it hosted, some of it, you know, self-developed, but all these things are things that are in now the communicator's toolbox. You're obligated to, to look at these tools and try to figure out, okay, what's going to make the sense, you know, what's going to make the most sense for my organization? I, I think, you know, as far as the future of the industry goes, if you're not thinking about at least the web or thinking about these, these platforms and tools, you know, as a means for telling your company's story, you're falling behind. Or and if you pick the wrong platform and you paint yourself into a corner and you're obsolete, then you're really in bad shape. So let me ask you something. Looking at desktop software or licensed software, be it open source or proprietary, versus cloud computing, where's your money? Well, I mean, we're, we're developing most of our projects now on WordPress, so I'm going to put my money on open source technologies. Open source is where, yeah. where your money is. But, you know, one of the things about open source is you really do need uh, IT resources to be able to leverage it. I mean, it's not the type of thing a non-tech person is going to be able to skin and get up and running on their own, right? That's true. That's true. But that's what about true. An or- if an organization is light on IT resources? If an organization doesn't want to innovate, they want to buy off-the-shelf technology, what do they do then? Well, there's tons of off-the-shelf technology, um, you know, be it anything from kind of social networking to, to, to blogs themselves. I think there's all sorts of tools, all sorts of services that offer great hosted platforms that, you know, are reasonable to, to configure and fairly cheap also. Um, I think, you know, it depends on, on your organization. The one thing I worry about is that there's this kind of do-it-yourself culture that exists within PR departments sometimes, and that can, that can, that can come back to bite you in the butt. Um, because I do think people's expectations for these experiences are increasing. When you've got your blogger account for your CEO, you know, trying to connect with the same reader who's going to all these other websites, that, the media sites that have been created on, you know, more robust platforms, it looks like amateur hour. So you've got to find a way to, to get the platforms in place, 
um, but also obviously uh, look for ways to, to grow them quickly. You recently linked to a Google blog post in your Twitter uh, feed about, about the social web. Um, let's talk about the social web. Do, do, when you're working with a client that's getting involved in some sort of social media initiative, are you at this point saying to them, hey, you guys need to go with open social? You no. need to integrate that API? No, I, you know, we're, we're doing Facebook applications right now, and um, we're really content doing the Facebook applications because they've been successful. But I, I do think that there's a little bit of a wait and see right now because obviously you can't ignore MySpace, you can't ignore Bebo, you can't ignore you know, the open social movement. Um, so I think part of, part of what I've heard from my clients and part of what we've been talking about is, okay, if you're going to make an investment in a Facebook application, that's okay. Those investments aren't huge. But you certainly don't want to be um, just focusing on Facebook or just focusing on you know, one application. I, I do think there's a little bit of a wait and see that's happening with open social, but from what I've seen and heard of open social, the promises for what it can deliver by far outweigh kind of the, the timeline for its delivery. So we'll see how it pans out. Mike Manuel of Media Gorilla and Voce Communications, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.